This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It is 9.04, 59 degrees in Binghamton. The winds picked up a bit out of the northwest, 14 miles an hour. The dew point is nice and dry at 50. Sunshine today, a high in the mid-70s. We could have some wind gusts up to 21 miles per hour. A new airline will be offering budget-friendly direct flights to Florida from Binghamton. Broome County Executive Jason Garner announced that Avello Airlines will begin serving Binghamton this fall with nonstop service to Orlando International and Fort Myers Southwest Florida International Airports. The new flights will operate on Wednesdays and Saturdays starting November 16th. Avello Airlines has bases in Los Angeles, Southern Connecticut, and Orlando. Several years ago, the Greater Binghamton Airport saw its airlines exit one by one, leaving only a single flight to Detroit by Delta Airlines and serviced by smaller private and business carriers at the field. Airports in bigger hubs like Syracuse and even smaller municipal airfields like Elmira Corning have continued to offer several flights from several carriers, but in June it was learned that American Airlines would pull service to the Ithaca Tompkins International Airport on September 7th. A regional pilot shortage was cited. Mechanics, not Mother Nature, is being blamed for dumping some parts of downtown Binghamton into the dark overnight Tuesday and into Wednesday. Electric service to one of downtown Binghamton's tallest buildings, Shenango Place Apartments, was knocked down following a reported transformer explosion shortly before 12.30 a.m. yesterday. People who live in the 15th floor apartment building near the downtown transportation hub reported hearing a lot of boom before the power went out. An on-site generator provided limited electric service to the 144-unit apartment building. New York State Electric and Gas spokesman Kelly Packard says the outage was caused by a faulted elbow in an underground transformer. The latest underground electrical equipment problem happened less than three weeks after an explosion in a nearby transformer vault under the sidewalk in front of the Verizon building on Shenango Street. Packard said there was no relation between the two incidents. An annual benefit concert in Binghamton will feature a couple big names in classic rock. Officials with Security Mutual Life Foundation have announced the Sock Out Cancer Benefit Concert in October will feature former lead vocalists for Boston and Journey. Fran Cosmo was the lead vocalist in the 1994 Boston album Walk On and was on tour with Boston through 2004. Steve Algieri was the lead singer for Journey from 1998 to 2006, appearing on four albums. In addition to being frontman for Journey for close to a decade, Algieri was also spent some time in the Southern Tier teaching music at the French Woods Festival for the Performing Arts Summer Camp just outside of Hancock. Sock Out Cancer aids financially distressed families so they can put their resources and energy into fighting cancer. The Security Mutual Life Foundation's Sock Out Cancer Classic Rock Voices concert is set for Friday, October 21st at the Broome County Forum Theater. It will benefit families of cancer patients at Upstate Foundation, Golisano Children's Hospital, Lourdes Hospital, and UHS Hospital. You can visit the Sock Out Cancer website for more information about the October concert, and we do have a link to that on our website, WNBF.com. 
The local council of the Girl Scouts is hoping grown-ups that like their annual sweet treats will also be game to pair their cookies with something a little stronger. The Girl Scouts of Nypen Pathways Council is hosting something they're calling Cookies Untapped. It's their first ever cookies and beer tasting fundraiser. Binghamton residents will have to arrange transportation, however, since the event is being held in October in Syracuse. Tickets are $65 per person. The tasting will be held October 7th from 530 to 9 p.m. at the Collegian Hotel and Suites on East Genesee Street in Syracuse. People must be 21 years of age and older and proof of age identification is required for entry to the event. Reservations are being accepted now through October 6th at gsnipen.org slash cookies untapped. Organizers say guests can sample all 10 cookie varieties available through the Nipen Pathways Council, and that includes the brand-new Raspberry Rally cookie that can't even be ordered until January. Each cookie, Girl Scout cookie will be paired with a New York State craft beer. Doors open and a silent auction begins at 5.30. The pouring starts at 6 p.m. And the hotel is also offering accommodations at a discount rate for residents who don't want to travel. Reservations can be made by calling 315-701-4312 and mention the code Girl Scouts Untapped. WMBF Newstime 909. News. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, sunny and breezy today, high in the mid-70s. Could have wind gusts as high as 21 miles an hour. Clear tonight with patchy fog toward morning, a low in the mid to upper 40s. Friday starts with areas of fog in the morning, otherwise sunny, a high in the low 80s. Mostly sunny Saturday, high in the mid-80s. Sunday, patchy fog in the morning, otherwise mostly sunny, a 50% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, high in the mid-80s, and for Labor Day, mostly sunny, a 30% chance of afternoon showers, high in the low 80s. Currently, it's 59 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. September 1st, 2022. This is Bob Joseph, live and local from News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com.
Caller number one is Dale in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How you doing? Nice Hi. sunny day. Hey, it's beautiful. Oh, boy. The power's on and everything. And, uh, yeah, I, the, I, I stopped by. for reporting that. Well, I I did a pow pow powerful report when I stopped by yesterday afternoon to see what what was going on over there yeah, at 100 Shango Place. About four or five o'clock, they opened up the power and it all turned back on, so everything's fine. Yeah. But Were there any any more transformer explosions in the neighborhood? Oh boy, you never know. You know. I mean, how many transformer explosions do we need? Seriously, underneath the roads that you drive down. No. Can you imagine if somebody was walking? If somebody was walking yeah. right near that area at twelve twenty-two yeah. Wednesday morning, or, or not having a generator to run machines that need to be run in these buildings, you know. And and I uh, congratulate Kathy for mentioning that. Yeah, and I congratulate I congratulate the reporter who went out there actually to the building to talk to people yeah. and take pictures. He he did excellent yeah, work. Yeah, and uh, you know it's really important stuff. And, and these two buildings actually one behind the other, you know. Well, they're both uh, fifteen story structures, so you're talking about yeah. almost three hundred apartments. A lot. Yeah, and uh, when the you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys, because uh, <clears throat> I don't want to scare anyone or anything, because they have generators that will run these, the equipment that people absolutely need in this in these buildings, you know. And, uh, you know, but uh, when, when one after another goes off, you know, within a matter of weeks, you know, it's just uh, and the plug in a bunch of cars. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Which everybody wants to do. You right. Know. What's going to happen then? Yeah. You know? Well, you know, fortunately, well, everything's I, okay. I everything's I commend okay. I commend the nice egg crews because you know what I look yeah, down into they were that right, out there. right I look down into that hole and they have to go down about fifteen or eighteen feet down in the hole to um, make the repairs. There was uh, some sort of, uh, the NYSEG spokeswoman said it was some sort of elbow that failed. So when you, let's face it, you know how serious it is if you hurt your elbow. So you get a, an elbow in an underground transformer. That's very serious. Blown up with PCBs in it. It goes into the river. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, I, I, we we don't care about that because it just you know heads down to Harrisburg and Baltimore. You know, Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, that'll give that'll give the uh, the people who enjoy delicious crab dinners in about two weeks down uh, in uh, the Inner Harbor in Baltimore. It'll be uh, it'll be like a special je ne sais quoi. They'll be asking, "Did you put a little extra bay seasoning on these things?" and the uh, server will say, no, it's just thanks to our friends in the Parlor City. Well, yeah, I, you know, I've been around around here and there, and I've, I've seen all this, you know, and I'm just absolutely worried about it, you know. And uh, that, that's why I called in, but I didn't mean to scare anybody or anything, you know. But, uh, you know, people with... Uh, um. Wheelchairs, electric wheelchairs, can't even plug them in, you know, 
I mean, the power's all out except for the emergency equipment, you know, like elevators and things, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, imagine someone that um, has to depend on that power just for to move around or their life or whatever, you know, and uh, that's why that generator's here. Unfortunately, it uh, kicked in appropriately, so the uh, necessary backup power was available. Dale, thanks for the uh, the information uh, Wednesday morning, and glad you checked in today. Hope you have a great day. Yep, you too. Nine eighteen WNBF local. You know, nothing can replace local, despite what some people in the media executive suites think nothing can replace local well we could just phone it in uh, you know we could get a guy down in scranton to do no the guy in scranton isn't going to go cover stories in the triple cities it's the guy in binghamton who covers the stories for you we have a team we have a team kathy and james and bob it's the team covering the stuff in your hometowns, we actually go and talk to people. Local people have local information. See how that works? I know. I'm saying, but Bob, that's so old-fashioned. That's old-fashioned thinking. Yes, I know. I know. It's very strange. Very strange that there would be old-fashioned journalism still permitted in 2022. As they say... For a limited time only. Larry in Kirkwood, good morning. Well, let's not let's hope it's not for a limited time only, Bob. <laughs> Everything is a limited time only. You know, you never know. Here today, gone tomorrow. Well anyway, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank uh, you for checking in. How are you this morning? I'm good. I could really relate to what your last caller is saying. I mean, being somebody who who on occasion has used an electric wheelchair to get around. I mean, not being able to power up, man, it's it's a bear, you know. So it's crazy. But anyway, uh, let's talk about the the new airliner coming through. I had no idea that uh, we didn't have adequate airliners in the, the Broome County Airport anymore. That absolutely surprised me. Well, now we're getting back on track. In fact, we'll be talking about that very announcement with the Broome County Executive, Jason Gardner, next hour. He'll be on the program. Uh, That'll be the first thing we discuss when he joins us in about 50 minutes, about attempting to um, provide additional service out of BGM Airport. Yeah. Yeah, I'd always used to scratch my head, you know, and people would go... Say they're going to Syracuse to catch a flight, and it's like, why the heck are they doing that? They could go out of Binghamton Airport. Now I know why. <laughs> well, I never knew yeah. this stuff until today. You know? Well, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it is fascinating. It is intriguing, and it yeah. is delightful. So, well, I hope this airliner stays. Oh, I do too. Now. Oh my yeah, gosh! Really you know, I I I will really I will roll out the red carpets. Yes, yes. Okay, man. All right. Thanks. It's nine twenty-one WNBF. 
with the friend of the people, Bob Joseph, taking the calls as I deem fit. DJ in Binghamton, good morning. Hey, what do you mean you got a team, James and Kelly? What am I, job liver over here? Good morning, Bob. Yeah, what's going on? Well, I wanted to give a shout-out to Chris's Diner. Because when the Transformers did its thing in those two buildings, you know, uh, they bought a bunch of food over. Did you know that? No. You didn't know that, Bob? Yeah, I'm one up on you. Yeah. Well, put it on um, your website. If you're if you're gonna if you're serious about local journalism, set up a website and do it, man. Wait a minute. I can set up a website. Oh, you're talking about Al Gore's internet. Yeah, I don't mess with Al Gore. Yeah, if you want if you want to do local journalism, I'm I'm always amazed by people whether they um, call into the program or send a tip or something they put on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And they say, oh, I'm doing so much better than local news. I'm saying, yeah, in that case, you saw something or you knew something that was going on, and so you posted it on a social media platform. If you're serious about news, get serious and do it year-round. You know, I, I'm always no, amazed. Really. I'm always amazed by people who, uh-huh. who imply that they could do better. It's like... If you oh, could, no, if you not. could do better, you would be doing it. So you know you're you're, well, you're attempting to amuse yourself and your friends. Whoa, I've got one up life, on you. Well, in in my life, I have found that I don't try to do or want to do anything. It just happens, and that's you know. But um, for people who don't know, um, State Street is like being constructed, and it looks like you can't go down there. You can go down State Street. And across from the social is Chris's Diner. Go and give him a shout-out. Tell him, you know, give him money, give him tips, tell him thank you. Because they, the Chris's Diner gave a lot of food to the people. They're, they just reached out. You know, Bob, I always say this on your show. I'm not a doom and gloom creature, but the earth is getting old. There was a news piece on last night about the water. You can't even drink it in some other state because the pipes are so old. So we need to help each other, man. Love your neighbor as, you, as yourself and, and, and do things to help people. Is Lester Holt... As the uh, philosopher Lester Holt once said, take care of yourself and each other. He got that from Jerry Springer. Yeah, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. Jerry Springer also was a great American, too, so let us never yeah, forget his contributions to television. Television, right. after Jerry Springer, television was never the same. I agree with you. He was the mayor of Cincinnati. Yeah. He loves people. You know, he's he's the guy who used to have the talk show on WKRP after their music format was dropped. WKRP in Cincinnati when they fired Johnny Fever and Venus Flytrap and uh, Johnny Anderson, the receptionist, um, when they went all talk, the former mayor from Cincinnati wound up, he did a program from 9 to noon called Cincinnati Now on WKRP. Yep, and he, he made all those young women's days, giving them bees. Yep. Yeah, Jerry Springer, great he, guy. He was really a fine American. <laughs> Appreciate your call. Thank you, DJ925 WNBF with the best. The best in radio broadcasting. John from Binghamton's West Side. Good morning. 
Hey, Bob, I'm, I'm going over the August uh, meeting minutes for the Broome County IDA, and it's a treasure trove of what is actually going on, uh, stuff that I didn't even know. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, this UHS Senior Living Ideal Hospital uh, is going to be sold, and it was ballyhooed as uh, they're going, these new owners are going to pay taxes. You, you know what their taxes are going to be on that? I don't know, $2 a year? Yeah, $12, $12 a year. Yeah, well, and, I was close. And, and uh, the uh, you, you see, this is why uh, local governments are unsustainable, because they're, in, in, they're losing money on every project and going to make it up on volume. Another thing that came up is these IBM buildings that are going to be demolished, you know, the Phoenix and all that. Uh, that's becoming another uh, GE Westover. Uh, apparently, they, they are not going to be allowed to dig into the ground there uh, because of various solvents and everything else. So there's a lot of discussion at this IDA board meeting about, uh, well, the buildings can come down, but what can be built there afterwards. So I don't think that Mayor Jackson is keeping good track of her uh, big uh, lithium battery plant uh, project, nor do I think uh, the Board of Trustees is actually uh, uh, engaged enough. They're just chasing grants and thinking this is going to come out all right. Uh, but it's not. What about it Charles does. Schumer? I heard Charles Schumer was going to announce uh, a billion-dollar grant for the so they can make more batteries. So even even Charles Schumer won't be able to save them. Well, unless he owns that uh, uh, Congolese lithium uh, mines, uh, I don't think he can, you know. Uh, but I, I just, I'm astounded uh, that, uh, you know, once bitten, twice shy, except in Endicott. Somebody was... Um hinting that maybe there will be another plan for battery recycling in Endicott. What, what do you, how do you think that would go based on the Sungjil? I'm reluctant to describe it as the Sungjil fiasco, but sort of feels that way in, in hindsight. And again, I'm not judgmental about the process that Sungjil was planning to use for their lithium-ion battery recycling. I, I have no opinion about the the technology i i only observe it from the way it was ruled out it just seemed from the start you know how mysteriously the announcement came i think in the form of a news release from albany and then basically it seemed like andrew cuomo and his team decided that endicott was a great place just to stick this recycling facility without apparently having much input from people in Endicott or the town of Union. So, and, and I think, well, the, and again, hey, the people from Sungjil are probably among the greatest people on the planet. But I have to say, I don't think they did their cause any good. I don't, I don't think they knew the first thing about public relations. I, I still think, again, without judging the technology or the the actual um, specifics of what they wanted to do. I still think they probably could have gotten it approved if they only knew how to roll something out and do it with uh, a, a certain level of proficiency. I, I got the sense that 
they they never responded seriously whether it was doing media let's face it if you have a, a project that's potentially controversial you, you hire a slickster hire um i don't know anybody anybody who's proficient who can answer questions about the project and at least explain their side of it i don't know that they ever really did well at explaining their side and why they thought their plan was appropriate for Endicott. I mean, they did some, but it seemed to me somewhat half-hearted. It didn't seem like they had much energy. Well, let me let me tell you the way I view this. And I've got something at the tail end that, if you remind me, I'll, I'll throw in. Uh, the way I look at this is this. Uh, the lithium battery industry has major, major corporations, you know, household name corporations involved. Uh, there are uh, many plants going up all over this country. Uh, recycling, lithium recycling, that is going on as close as Rochester. Uh, I was uh, dubious on this because I, I thought it was some sort of going to be way station for Rochester. There was going to be just like a, a reselling going on. But, th- but that being said, when you're dealing with companies uh, that are not name-name companies, big, big conglomerates, uh, and when the people running those companies have been caught in numerous misstatements and exaggerations, and that's the hallmark of this thing so far, uh, everything from the number of jobs, when they would be created, uh, the valuation of equipment, buying equipment in North Carolina, then all of a sudden comes up here and uh, appreciates by uh, 20 million or more, uh, a prototype of a, of a metal box swirling around, uh, uh, answers on basic questions of incineration. Uh, I, I just... I, you're well. The, if it's a public relations problem, then the guy you would want to talk to is currently on the Vestal Board of Trustees. I believe that he was the, or the Vestal Town Board. I believe he was handling the PR for that. But uh, I remain suspect on this. Now, anybody can put money into anything. You know, you can put money. You can make movies. You can make records. Uh, you can publish books. You can do all. You can build a film hub in Syracuse. Oh yeah, I mean there were all sorts of things that uh, during the uh, decade we'll call it the Cuomo decade. There were all sorts of things that were foisted on upstate America: film hub, uh, Link Park. I, I mean, let's face it: if if we took about ten minutes, you and I and a couple of listeners could probably come up with a few dozen, maybe even more, projects that were foisted on uh, gullible upstate Americans. Well, here, uh, we're going to have a film hub in Syracuse. Oh, oh, here, we're going to have Link Park. And at first I thought, wait, the highly publicized musical group is going to you know, have, have Kirkwood as a hub for, for all their future recordings? No, it was... It was uh, a plan that was six, something like 600 jobs, and I'm thinking, come on, man. I mean, what? what you know, how, John, during the Cuomo decade, of all the fine announcements the guy made, was there a single 
economic development announcement, major economic development announcement that actually came true? Because you follow these things more closely than I. No, because you lost uh, Tom Libbis. And without him, uh, it was a no sale. You know, the... the, uh, the undercover narcotics agent uh, never was in the same league as Tom Libus. And, you know, uh, you know, we both know that I was not a great fan of Tom's. I liked him as a person. Oh, me but, too. You know, but but to, to your point, and let's let's go back. I mean, for people not familiar with local history, of course, for decades, Andy made it happen. And then before that, his his dad made it happen so i mean for in some ways uh, it just occurred to me in some ways the anderson family was sort of like the um helped us in in sort of the same way but different is say a tom watson or george f johnson you know floyd anderson warren anderson and then for nearly three decades tom libis in the senate you know because of the power that they ultimately possessed over the years it, it made a tremendous difference i mean and again apart from whether you like their politics or whether you like them personally they got it done i mean we could you know we we ought to have if they're going to be putting up statues, John, in Rec Park, we ought to put up statues of Floyd Anderson, Warren Anderson, and Tom Libus. If we're going to, well, you know, they and and I. By the way, I'm happy that they apparently will erect a statue of Rodman Serling in Rec Park. I think that's fine near George F. Johnson's statue. But we should also acknowledge the the power and the the largesse that uh, the Andersons father and son and also senator libis brought to this area and now now look am i right absolutely and george hinman was nelson rockefeller's personal attorney (laughs) so you know uh we have diminished in size and scope population uh finances and clout uh on an unbelievable level and uh, it's a, a lot of this is this constant clown show of, I mean, in other words, look, the university can't save us. It won't save us. And the more the footprint increases, the more it will crowd out things. Uh, look at where the university essentially isn't. And that's where you see some economic growth. And I'm talking about Conklin, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, this is the thing. One last point, because this was on uh, Channel 7 in New York uh, two nights ago. It's been a big story for about two weeks. The machete attack at Dick's Sporting Goods in Long Island, where a a fellow bought a machete at another Dick's store and went and attacked uh, the manager and two customers at the Dick's store in, in another part of Long Island. Uh, giving him a fractured skull and and two injured arms and severed whatever. Uh, You know, it's interesting because uh, he bought the machete. He he wanted to buy a rifle. He was told to go to the other store for a rifle, came in and went crazy uh, like a homicidal maniac. Uh, But not one word from this conscience of America, this Ed Stack, who 
parlayed a school shooting into into his uh, weaved it into his book sales. Not one word from I, I've checked it. I can't find one word expressing regret or or uh, questioning machete sales or anything. So isn't that ironic? Isn't that interesting? It is interesting, and I I just punched that story up. I was unaware of it. Um, so yeah, twenty two year old person has now pleaded not guilty to that August 12th attack that happened on the first floor inside the Dick's Sporting Goods store in Patchogue. And, oh, and I'm reading now from Eyewitness News. Okay. Eyewitness News. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Remember the guy that used to do the Eyewitness News lead-in back in the 70s and 80s, you know, made it sound like it was somehow more <laughs> special than regular news. But anyway, yeah. uh, according to their website, surveillance video captured the viscous attack as a customer stabbed a store manager in a black shirt repeatedly behind the shelves. At one point, the suspect starts to walk away, then turns back and keeps stabbing him. The manager of the Dick Sporting Goods store on Patchogue, Long Island, tried to use a ladder as a barricade. According to investigators, the disturbing attack was unprovoked. The DA, Suffolk County DA, Raymond Tierney, said, I believe the manager asked him if there's anything he could help him with. And then without provocation or further comment, he just began attacking him. And Tierney said the viscous attack, not a regular attack. Oh, oh, I think what they mean is vicious. It says viscous, but you know, even even in New York, people who are hired at Eyewitness News may not know the difference between vicious and viscous, but two references Don't in the story. Don't talk about 100 college graduates like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean nothing by it. Uh, Tierney said the attack happened after uh, the suspect first entered a different Dick Sporting Goods store in Bayshore. Detectives say the guy is seen on camera buying the same machete later used in the attack in Patchogue, a knife and a backpack. The DA said the suspect also tried to buy a rifle, but was told there wasn't any there. Again, remember, this is written by a young eyewitness news reporter, but then he could buy it in Patchogue. Surveillance video captured him arriving in that store. Detectives say he gave his ID to a Dick Sporting Goods worker behind the counter, and then he snapped, stabbing the store manager. He struck the manager numerous times in the head, neck, and wrist, causing him to fall on the floor. While the manager was on the floor, the assailant continued his attack with the machete and continued to hit him with a weapon. What appeared to be the store manager bandaged up both arms and attended the um, arraignment of the suspect. So, but, but... To your point, again, with a viscous, excuse me, vicious attack like this, you would think that uh, high-level management at Dick's Sporting Goods might release a statement about machetes being sold, for example. And and maybe we should get a, a statement from the National Machete Association, because with an attack like this, especially getting this kind of attention from eyewitness news... I mean, there there could be a move on to uh, perhaps ban or further regulate the sale of machetes. Well, that and a lot of people that are not Dick's Sporting Goods shoppers think that Dick's is totally out of the gun business, and that is uh, not true. And you're right. Uh, 
perhaps Governor Hochul needs to start putting machete-free zones up. And I would say this, uh, perhaps Biden could say, well, what's the purpose? What does anybody need a machete for? I'm just looking up because do you recall there was a period of time not too long ago right here in the big city, Binghamton, where machete attacks were happening with some frequency? Um, Uh, It's been a while, and I I hesitate to bring this up because suddenly people will say, well, Bob, that's great. At 941 on Thursday morning, you mentioned there hadn't been a machete attack reported in Binghamton in quite a while, and then suddenly... There's an outbreak of machete attacks, so people will look at me. As opposed to the uh, crazed machete-wielding assailants, people will look at me as though I caused it. But the the fact is, I'm looking at various WNBF news stories over the year. Gun and machete used in dispute at Binghamton House. Um, Let's see. Oh, there was a, a case in, I think, just last year, unfortunately, I think up in Schnango Bridge where... The uh, suspect was armed with a machete and wound up uh, killing a person. Uh, Here's another story. Two charged after wild machete dispute at Binghamton home. Um, So, indeed, you know, I think action needs to be taken now to prevent further violence involving machetes. I do, too. I mean, there's no, in my estimation, there's no good reason for most... Again, I emphasize most most citizens in Binghamton to have a machete. I understand some people need machetes for work, but say if your work doesn't doesn't require the regular use of a machete, I think I think there should be a licensing process. I think you should have to go through a, at least a, a twenty four hour course, including a, a, a two hour segment of a live machete use. And I also think that your social media for the last 20 years should be reviewed to see if you're a person of good moral character. And, and, well, me, and, and then have a, a one-hour face-to-face interview with one of Broome County's judges so the judge can decide whether you really should be able to possess a machete. Well, I can just say this. We live in a time where the sanctimonious and the self-righteous uh, and the woke and all this kind of uh, uh, hypocrisy is being uh, almost outed in real time. And I think it's a shame that Ed Stack uh, didn't say anything, not even to his employee. Uh, and, and I think this shows how fake and phony that guy really is. Well, we don't know whether he actually said something to the injured employee. I suspect he probably did. But I also suspect that the people who work for the organization are under a gag order Probably, if somebody were to leak, say, a, a message that, that he sent to the employee or to the other people who worked at those stores in Long Island, if if any of that was going to be leaked, they, they could probably be dismissed immediately. Because I don't think... And again, and you know, John from Binghamton, you know that I love Dick's Sporting Goods. It It, it is just... Part of our DNA here in Binghamton, Dick Sporting Goods was born here in Binghamton on the east side. I was born here in Binghamton on the west side, just uh, about six miles away from the first Dick Sporting Goods store. So I love Dick Sporting Goods, but I don't understand their public relations apparatus because 
when I have questions, they don't have any answers. But but they're polite when they tell me they don't have any answers. So there is politeness counts for something. Well, uh, thank you very much for letting me get that out. <laughs> well, I you know who who would have guessed? Yes. Well, it's we've all learned a little something this morning, which of course is the whole point of this enterprise. I'm Bob Joseph. Live and local is September 1st, and we've already learned a couple of things. On News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available to you on the free WNBF app. You wash your. WNBF, getting the job done seven days a week. 949, this is Bob Joseph live on your radio or perhaps your computer or properly equipped device. We go to Matt and Binghamton. Good morning. Hello. We're back to the Second Amendment again. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the... To the uh, Security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms. So are we saying now that a machete is arms, is considered arms? Well, it's not regulated in uh, the New York State Penal Code as, as a per se weapon, a weapon that if you have possession of, you are automatically um, you know, guilty of the crime because it's not, an illi- it's not considered a weapon. So... You know, I, I would rather have the guy who shot all those people in the, um, in uh, in Vegas have access to machetes rather than AR-15s. And I hope everybody's doing this tongue in cheek. It's not even a it's not even a, a serious argument. I hope that John is proposing here that um, the fact that some crazy guy bought a machete, which I have one in my garage because I chopped down. Uh, um, what do you call it, uh, not Japanese knotweed that grows along the river that's an invasive species. Um, I'm not about ready to go out and assault anybody with it. It's not considered a weapon. It's not. And uh, the fact that you have a couple of people that you, anything can be a weapon, a pencil can be a weapon if you stab people with it. So I think we need less things. You know, my old client uh, that I defended in that big gun case, a whole bunch of the counts were about Monkey fist. Do you know what a monkey fist is? No. Well, it's an old antiquated, antiquated when it was, apparently the dock workers used to put it around their wrist. It had a weight at the end of it, and, um, you know, they put it up their sleeve, and if they needed a weapon, it would come whipping out, and they would either rob people or defend themselves. And so that got put in the, got put in the penal code of, uh, of New York State way back when people used to use it as a weapon. Now you can buy them, at, ironically, at Dick's, and a lot of these people use them as keychains now. It's really a, a kind of tied knot, which, if it's a weapon, it might have some kind of weight in the, in the middle of the knot. Um, but most people in the trial that we did, the state, uh, the state police investigator who had been on the job for over 30 years testified that, he had never heard of such a thing, yet they charged my client with four counts of, of felony counts of uh, 
possession of a weapon because he had a monkey fist. So, so here's you know, uh, so do you think that could have been uh, something from what you describe? Is it something similar to what that uh, suspect who uh, went up on stage when Lee Zeldin was speaking near Rochester several weeks ago? He had what they said was sort of a plastic keychain fob that looked like a cartoon cat's head and was marketed for self-defense. Is, is a monkey fist something like that? No, uh, oh, okay. I, I will send you a picture. Send me a picture, because I, I want one. Okay, I will send you a picture. But Are they expensive? No, they, they can buy, I mean, they, they sell them all over the place. In fact, um, my client got them in Morocco, and he used to use them to strengthen his, uh, there's a way you can use them to strengthen your fingers when he took a keto, and basically came through customs with them. And yet, in the United States. Oh, by the way, Florida used to have it on their uh, used to have it on their um, list, list of per se weapons, but they realized it was ridiculous to have it on there anymore. I mean, like I said, if somebody has something in their possession and they use it as a weapon, uh, you and and hurt somebody with it, then it can be criminal possession of a weapon. Uh, because well, same with a hammer. Like, say, exactly, sometimes people exactly. get... You know what? One of the uh, strangest homicide cases I've covered during my illustrious journalism career here in Binghamton was where, uh, sadly, where a man here in downtown Binghamton on Court Street was killed because uh, somebody who had a beef with him uh, bludgeoned him with a, a trophy. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like I said... When I was in high school, I used to, uh, I still have my friend at the 50th and, uh, reunion. She somehow swung a pencil at me and ex- stabbed me in the leg. That wasn't like a malicious thing, but it happened. I had a big, big puncture wound in my leg from a pencil. Well, appreciate the call. Got to move along here at 9.54. Thank you, Matt from Binghamton. More coming up on WNBF. Heart Association. Help make a difference. Change your oil. Change a life. At Matthews Auto, proud sponsor of the American Heart Association. WNBF Binghamton. Location? Or is there priority also to build a criminal case against the former president or someone else uh, who may have been involved? ABC Chief Legal Analyst Dan Abrams. Sarah Palin loses a special election for a House seat in Alaska. Democrat Mary Peltola becomes the first Native Alaskan to serve in the House. The Labor Department releasing new numbers showing the U.S. job market is still strong. Preliminary figures from the Labor Department show 5,000 fewer people making their first claims for unemployment benefits last week than the week before. And that previous week also was revised downward by 6,000. The much less volatile four-week moving average for jobless filings is also dropping after several weeks on the rise. ABC's Jim Ryan. More than 150,000 people continuing to line up for bottled water in Jackson, Mississippi because of the failed water treatment plant. ABC's Trevor Alt is there. The water is still not safe enough to drink. So people have been flocking to water distribution sites all over the city, a lot of them waiting hours for a single case or two. Many others get turned away when supplies inevitably run out, and now more national resources are pouring in, trying to get these people some help after what has been essentially a parade of crises. A new federal study shows math and reading scores for fourth graders fell sharply during the first two years. 
years of the pandemic. This is ABC News. Ah, oh, honey, I can't believe you gave me toe fungus. Oh, I was so embarrassed. I gave my wife toe fungus for the third time. Even after all the treatments I tried, all the money I spent, now my family was also dealing with this nasty problem. My doctor then told me that toe fungus is not just a cosmetic problem and that it can spread and get worse. He introduced me to a new and different routine that flushes out even the most difficult cases of fungus. It's called Crystal Flush. After just three minutes each day, my toes were looking better and better until the fungus was completely gone. Just imagine finally winning the battle against yellow, crumbly toes and being able to go to the pool or beach in total confidence. Call now, and for a limited time, you can try Crystal Flush risk-free for 30 days. Call 800-764-9219. That's 800-764-9219. Try it now risk-free. Call now, 800-764-9219. Or visit crystalflush.com. Some new help today for anyone facing delays or cancellations when trying to fly. ABC News transportation correspondent Gio Benitez says the Department of Transportation has rolled out a new airline customer service dashboard. It allows you to select any of the big U.S. airlines and then compare their cancellation and refund policies so that if your flight is canceled or delayed, you know exactly what your rights are with each company. You could also use it before you even book that flight to see which company works for you. Plenty of pilots are as fed up as passengers with all the recent travel troubles, so often duty pilots are setting up picket lines at busy airports across the country demanding that airlines make changes to try and cut down on canceled flights. LED lights may be aging you. Scientists from the University of Oregon now say the blue light from things like your computer screen, your phone, and plenty of TVs appear to speed up the aging process. Justin Finch, ABC News. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning, it's Tendies. Families of people being detained at the Broome County Jail may soon be able to visit in person for the first time in almost two and a half years. The New York State Supreme Court has ruled the Broome County Correctional Facility must allow visitations to resume beginning September 5th after visits were canceled in March of 2020 at the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. Sheriff David Harder has appealed the ruling over the health and safety concerns. At the start of the pandemic, concentrated communities like the extended care facilities and even jails were locked out from the public in an effort to contain the infection and prevent the virus from being brought into the closed population. The group Justice and Unity for the Southern Tier, otherwise known as JUST, filed a motion in May calling for the ban on in-person jail visits be dropped, given that most people in the general population have received vaccination against the coronavirus. JUST also just cited a decline in the rates of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations in the county. The Sheriff's Office maintained there is still too great of a risk of illness, not only for those being held, but also for officers and employees at the correctional facility. Just is calling on the state courts to reject the appeal. Both candidates for sheriff say they are in favor of restoring visitations. Republican Fred Akshar has promised to restore visitation in the first 30 days in office if he is elected. Democrat Kate Newcomb, who is currently employed by the sheriff's office, told local media visitations should be reinstated, but health and safety of all people at the correctional facility is of utmost importance. WMBF News Time 1006.
After years of losing flights from the Greater Binghamton Airport, travelers are finally getting news of the addition of a carrier to the field in the town of Maine. County officials and Avello Airlines announced yesterday the little over one-year-old carrier that concentrates on smaller airports to offer low-cost fares and nonstop flights will begin flying in November between Binghamton and Fort Myers and Orlando. There will be flights between Binghamton and Florida on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Currently, Binghamton has only Delta offering one flight to Detroit. The once bustling transportation hub began losing flights 20 years ago and has ended up with the sparse commercial service using the field along with small private business and freight carriers. Broome County state and federal representatives have been working hard for years to attract new service to the field and have poured millions of dollars into funding for field and facilities upgrades. Avello first took flight on April 28th of last year and currently flies Boeing 737 jets to 31 destinations across the United States. The service to Binghamton opens Avello's first operation in New York State. WMBF News Time 1007. A judge has rejected a plea agreement that would have meant no prison time for the operator of a limousine company involved in a crash that killed 20 people in Schoharie County, New York. Wednesday's turnabout drew applause and tears from victims' relatives and plunged limo company boss Nauman Hussein into legal uncertainty. Judge Peter Lynch called the plea agreement fundamentally flawed. Prosecutors and lawyers for Hussein had reached a deal a year ago that would have spared him prison time, angering the families of the people killed in 2018 when brake failure sent a stretch limo full of birthday revelers hurling down a hill and into a business. Hussein's lawyers withdrew the guilty plea after the judge offered the choice of a sentence of one and a third to four years in prison or withdrawing the plea. Hussein, who operated Prestige Limousine, had been charged with 20 counts each of criminally negligent homicide and second-degree manslaughter in what was the deadliest U.S. transportation disaster in a decade. Lynch noted that a State Department of Transportation out-of-service sticker had been placed on the limousine a month before the crash. State police recovered the sticker from Hussein's personal car after his arrest. Prosecutors have argued that Hussein took the sticker off the limousine's windshield so he could use the vehicle for more jobs. An Owego woman is facing a felony charge following a traffic stop in Tioga County. Owego police say they pulled 32-year-old Carla Kraft over last week for failing to stop at a red light and ended up charging her with several counts before turning her over to the Cortland County Sheriff's Office. Kraft is charged with felony tampering with evidence. She's also charged with misdemeanor, criminal possession of a controlled substance, and aggravated unlicensed operation of a motor vehicle, as well as a violation of failure to stop on a red light. Owego police issued issued craft appearance tickets returnable to village of Owego court but police say they also found she was wanted on a warrant in Cortland County and she was turned over to the Cortland County Sheriff's Office WMBF news time 1009 
lymphoma, bladder, kidney, or liver cancer, or other serious health conditions. Get justice at 866-463-0001 or visit usaveteranlawgroup.com. Ad paid for by USA Veteran Law Group. Attention Marines, if you or a loved one lived or worked at Camp Lejeune for more than 30 days between 1953 and 1988, you were exposed to drinking water contaminated with benzene and other highly carcinogenic chemicals, causing those exposed to develop devastating health conditions. You may qualify for significant compensation if you have been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, bladder, kidney, or liver cancer, or other serious health conditions. Get justice at 866-463-0001 or visit usaveteranlawgroup.com. You wash. A traffic note, we've had an emergency road closure issue in the village of Johnson City. We've told you about for several hours, and the village says that is still an issue. Fairview Street closed between Columbia Drive, Reynolds Road due to a big sinkhole. There is local access to some businesses and residences in that area. But do be advised there may be detours. Once again, Fairview Street from Columbia Drive to Reynolds Road because of a big old sinkhole. Today, sunny and breezy, a high in the mid-70s. Wind gusts as high as 21 miles an hour. Clear tonight, patchy fog toward morning, a low in the mid to upper 40s. Starting off tomorrow with fog, otherwise sunshine, a high in the low 80s. Mostly sunny Saturday, high in the mid-80s. Patchy fog on Sunday morning. Otherwise mostly sunny, a 50% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, high in the mid-80s. And Monday for Labor Day, mostly sunny, just a 30% chance of afternoon showers raining on your barbecue. And a high in the low 80s. Currently, it's 60 in Binghamton. It's 10-12, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Bob Joseph live on a Thursday morning, September 1st, 2022, confirming that we do live in interesting times. And as many people have said, stay tuned because the fun is only beginning here at WNBF. Joined now by Broome County Executive Jason Garner for his regularly scheduled monthly appearance. And I have already booked my flight to Orlando, so at least these people, people yeah, at least people will know where I am in February. (laughs) That's true. Oh my goodness! True. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the uh, the show that never seems to end. Uh, So that was uh, a very significant announcement made uh, just about twenty four hours ago at the Greater Binghamton Airport. I sense this was in the works. You know, about uh, three weeks ago, you were on uh, the program mm-hmm. for your August appearance, and, and the day before that, as I recall, or maybe two days before that, the uh, aviation commissioner was on. And you know, I just had this sense that something was up. I just had this feeling that something was in the works based on especially some of the comments that uh, the aviation commissioner made mr hefner when he was on the program he just had a sort of a sense that that something was in the works and i guess it was yeah i mean it's great news for our community it's uh it's been a a lot of work has has gone into this um you know as you as you probably know we 
the the Greater Binghamton Airport hasn't seen new air service in about 20, 20 years. And so the announcement today of, of not just one location, but two locations, uh, uh, not you know, nonstop flights to Orlando and Fort Myers um, by Avello Airlines. That, that that that's a huge deal for our airport. And just seeing like we got a ton of phone calls into our office. Like social media was, you know, really. Uh, a buzz by the by the news. Uh, there are just a ton of people that are really excited about this. In fact, we had heard from people that were that already had flights to Florida, had already booked them at other places that uh, took advantage of this and and canceled, you know, their their flights on other airlines and signed up yesterday to get flights out of Binghamton. So, um, I mean, literally, uh, as soon as we announced it, within an hour of the announcement, we had people booking flights and not just booking flights, like not going to, um, you know, canceling their, their tickets at other airlines and, and, uh, and going here. So I think that's a, it's a good thing. And yeah, we, 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 uh, we didn't know, um, we, we have been, we've been working and talking to Avalo for a number of months. And it's really been a team effort. I mean, Avello came down a number of times. Um, of course, the number one thing they needed to know were people going to actually use the service. Um, but they, you know, they talked to people from the Chamber of Commerce, local businesses, and got to know our community. And they realized that there's a, a pretty big need for this type of service in the community. And um we weren't we weren't sure if they were going to uh, it, it, at some point it became a, a a matter of can they actually we knew that they were going to pick us but could they get the airplanes ready to go I guess it's not an easy thing to buy an airplane these days so um, it, it kind of came down to making sure that they not necessarily were they going to do it but when they were going to do it when they could get the the airplane and um, last week. They're like, okay, this is this is a go, and um, we're actually a little surprised that they started. Uh, they're starting service so early. I mean, November sixteenth, the first flight goes out. We didn't think that they might be able to start um, until maybe the first quarter of next year. But they uh, they they really think that Binghamton's a great opportunity to put this type of service in, and really happy. It's going to be. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a number of um, important airport announcements to come over the next few months, and um, you know we, we certainly want to get more service. We we certainly see a need to uh, for a larger type of uh, hub, you know, another destination other than Detroit, but also with Avello. Avello flies to a number of different places. Um, all. Um, direct flights, nonstop flights, um, discount flights. So we're uh, we're looking at hopefully expanding our business, uh, our, our flights with Avalo as well. Um, and, and so certainly, um, based on what happens over the next year, um, we're hope we're hopeful to expand that service. But I just put this caveat in: it's uh, it's ours to lose. You know, uh, we you know people have demanded these types of flights and we just got to make sure that we fulfill that demand. I think, I think we will definitely do that 
and um, hopefully we can we can add more flights as, as time goes on. But I just wanted to thank um, this is a team effort um, all the way down from uh, you know Senator Schumer to Assemblywoman Lopardo, Senator Akshar, the agency, the Chamber of Commerce, and uh, of course our our airport commissioner uh, Mark Heefner. And uh, the county legislature, Dan Rounds, has been great to work with, too. And they all played an instrumental role in, in getting this here. It's just not one person does this. It's a, it's a big team effort. So we're really excited. Um, flights are already being booked. So, you know, I suggest that people are looking at, um, you know, a great discount nonstop flight to Florida that uh, you, you go right to the Avella website right now and, and book your flight. How many seats on these 737 Next Generation aircraft? How many seats do they have like, to fill? I want to say, I don't know exactly. I think there's like 180, 190 seats. All right. I see on, on at least some uh, planes with that uh, configuration, they could have as many as 215. I don't know how uh, a Velo aircraft are configured. But still, if you're looking at in that neighborhood, whether it's uh, approximately 180 or 200, that's a lot of seats to fill. It is a lot of seats to fill, and you know certainly we'll be we'll be getting a lot of those seats filled by people in Broome County. But you know, remember this is you know regional airport. We certainly expect that we'll be you know getting people from all of our contiguous counties to come in, and um, you know we we think that uh, probably the closest thing. Um, around to this is Allegiant and Almira, and you know we we think we're going to go right up and, and compete against Allegiant. I, I know a lot of people in Broome County um, w- would tell me they're like, "Look, I have to fly to Elmira because we don't have a you know a, a flight from Florida to Binghamton." And and now and they said, "If we have one, I'll you know I'll go to Binghamton in a heartbeat." And so we're going to get a ton. I think we're going to get a ton of people there, and um, you know that's going to be a big competitor. That we're looking at, but we just think that there's a there's this is this is you know when we've done surveys and talked to people, a lot of people have have talked about these are the the two big locations people have asked for this type of service. So we're we're glad that we were able to get it, and you know now we 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 can't just rest. Uh, we got to just work just as hard to attract more service because I really believe when other airlines see that you get service, I mean, it's been 20 years since we got new airline service at a greater Bainton airport. So um, it's been a long time coming. And, um, I th- but I think it's, it's one of those things when, um, you know, people take notice that the, the industry looks at that and, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're certainly not going to stop our quest to provide more service up at the airport. So, um, yeah, it's good, great news yesterday, and and uh, hopefully over the next couple of months we'll be able to provide even better news at the airport. When was the deal with Avello finalized? When were all the I's dotted and the T's crossed that cleared the way for service from Greater Binghamton Airport? I think it was you know a couple of weeks ago that you know we 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 had our you know our agreement. And, um, you know, but last week was the, I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday of, of last week that they're like, okay, we're going to do this announcement next week. And, um, you know, we're finalizing, you know, we're, we're actually, you know, this is real. We're putting these, these, uh, flights on our website and literally like an hour before we make this announcement, we're, we're making this live. And I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I think we announced yesterday around 10:30 in the morning and 
right around 9.30, became live, and it was just almost uh, unreal to, to, you know, we went to the website, I went to it in my office, and it was almost unreal to see, wow, I can I can pick Binghamton, and I can actually start, you know, booking flights to Orlando or to fight Fort Myers. Um, it's just kind of unreal to, to see that happen and see it happen so quickly. Are incentives part of the agreement with Avello, incentives from the county or the Industrial Development Agency? Yep, the, the IDA is going to be helping us out with some uh, marketing incentives. Um, we're going to be providing some revenue guarantees. These are typical incentives that any airport has to provide it to, to get new airline service. Um, now, the way revenue incentives work is that, um, you know, if they fill up their planes, they're they're not going to be, you know, needing any type of revenue replacement. But certainly it, uh, getting any type of service off the ground um, is a little difficult at first, although I think here people, there's so many people that want to use it. I think it's just going to be a hit right out of the gate. But just getting people used to, you know, picking, you know, thinking about Binghamton first instead of what they normally have done, getting the word out. I think we did a great job of getting the word out yesterday, but certainly, you know, we're going to have to do some marketing and not just marketing to Broome County, but, you know, we really want to market the service to our surrounding counties as well. And that'll take some marketing dollars to, to do. How much money would the county have to kick in if the targets aren't met? Um, I think we, we are going to probably guarantee up to a million dollars in revenue replacement over the next two years, um, which is a pretty standard agreement with this type of service. And again, that's the type of, uh, that's one of those things where, um, you know, if they need it, they need it. But if they don't get, you know, if they, they fill up their planes, then they won't be needing that. So this type of incentive package also would probably have to be put together for additional flights to be added to the BGM schedule in the, the coming months? It might be. It may, it may not be. Um, maybe not with the revenue in, incentives. Um, you know, again, every, everything's a, a negotiation, but I, I really think that my, my expectation is that the service is going to be a big hit just based on the, the, the volume of people that, that talked about this and how people were already booking tickets. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, any new airline, especially an, an airline that brings in service after 20 years of no new service, um, you know, they, they want some guarantees that they're, they're going to be able to um, at least uh, break even. But I think as, as they see people buy these flights, I think that those types of revenue guarantees become less important and, um, you know, we concentrate more on providing some marketing dollars. I think that's probably going to be the most important thing as we start to get different locations is to make sure that those locations are marketed. And, you know, we'll definitely do that because we want to see the service, you know, expand. We just don't want to see the service, uh, these two uh, destinations. We want to increase our destinations and, it's just the way it is. I kind of look at it as a, you know, a, it's a sports team analogy. Uh, you get what, you know, you put in to it, right? So if you, um, you know, if you're a sports team that invests a lot of money in your players, you're going to have a great, great return on that investment. And you're going to have, uh, you know, a lot of your teams are going to get into the playoffs and you're going to win games. And if you don't put any money into it, you're not going to, you're going to lose a lot. And, um, 
and that, that that's kind of what's going on here, and that's what we'll uh, we'll be doing um, in the future as well. Ten twenty-seven. We will continue our conversation with Broome County Executive Jason Garner on this Thursday morning. In a moment, I'm Bob Joseph. This is News Radio WNBF ninety-two point one FM, twelve ninety AM, and available always on the free WNBF app. WNBF with live radio, where you just never know who our next guest will be. That's why so many people feel a need to stay tuned. As somebody could always turn up on this program, somebody you've never heard on the radio before. It's Thursday, September 1st. We're talking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner, his regularly scheduled monthly appearance. Coming up in September, the budget proposal will be offered to county residents and to the legislature and i understand you'll be making your budget presentation at a special site in less than two weeks yeah so uh you know i've, I've tried uh i give two major uh speeches or addresses a year my my state of the county address and then my budget address and what we we tried to do is just get out of the county office building and, and go to different places in the community that are kind of like uh, highlighted projects, things that are going on, things that we'd like to celebrate. So uh, we haven't been able to do that because of COVID, but um, we're going to do that this year. And I'm excited because I, I think I've given the last two budget addresses on Zoom, which is a pretty terrible thing to, to have to do. And um, we're excited that we're going to be going to the Victory Building in Johnson City, that's a, a project that is, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this, and your, your listeners certainly know about this, just just a project that's a pretty amazing thing that's happening over in Johnson City, this this huge building that, um, this huge EJ building that is being renovated into just absolutely beautiful um, apartment space. Um, so we're looking, yeah, we're looking uh, forward to to doing that and, and highlighting uh, all the you know kind of outlining um, all the uh, all the things that we're going to be doing for our 2023 budget. And I know I think you were on about three weeks ago. Um, I think maybe that day. I can't remember. I think the the time when you were on, you were about to uh, take a tour of the Victory Building. I had been there. I think the, the previous day. It is remarkable what is going on with this project that uh, was the uh, idea of the Syracuse developer Matthew Paulus, and the fact that he says, and I don't have any reason to doubt that the timeline has changed. He says that they still have a target date for occupancy of january 1st so when you think about that four four months is shocking well i think if matt paul says he can do it he'll probably do it i mean he's got a pretty amazing track record of uh you know projects outside and inside this community i mean ansco uh that uh project has been pretty amazing to see at the old ansco camera factory building and then um that just the speed in which this uh, 59 Luster Victory Building project has been happening is pr- is pretty amazing. Um, they've already got a model apartment built, 
it's beautiful. And really, you know, if, if you're driving on the highway, kind of like near uh, near Wegmans and uh, you know in Johnson City, you can you can look over and and see the progress of it. And every time I go by it. There's just something else that they've they've done to it. So, uh, hey, if he says it's going to get done in January, I I I, uh, I believe him because he's got that track record to do it. But uh, I I think that's probably one of the most transformational projects that we've ever seen, considering that six seven years ago, uh, you know, anybody that's anybody was talking about the only way you're going to do anything in that site is to to demolish that that whole building. And the fact that he didn't have to demolish it and he was able to renovate it into this beautiful project is just uh it's a pretty pretty amazing thing 1034 at wnbf another big announcement happened uh several days after your last appearance and i gee i alluded to it during our conversation but i didn't want to let the cats out of the bag the uh big announcement for dick sporting goods with their plan for a 140,000 square foot house of sport location at the oakdale commons in johnson city and you look right now at the level of activity going on at the mall site there uh in johnson city it's it's remarkable it seems every couple of days you see signs of even more activity i mean as far as excavation and and the work that's going on at the south end of that property there's a lot of work going on right now not just in preparation for house of sport but also for other businesses including some restaurants that will be announced in the not too distant future yeah i mean this 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 mall uh, project, this Oakdale Commons project, is, is going to be one of the largest economic development projects in Broome County history. You know, I, I think we're looking at it, it's probably going to be close to $150 million project when it's all said and done. Um, this is going to be part of that project, but there's many more announcements to come. But just to, uh, you know, it was great to announce that um, this is going to be the, the largest exporting goods store in the world. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be bigger than the stores in New York City and Los Angeles, you know, Chicago. This is where their, their biggest store is going to be. And, and the one thing that I like about it, it's not just the stuff that you buy there. This place is going to have a rock climbing wall that is like, like, uh, going through each of the stories. If you remember Macy's, Macy's was, uh, it was kind of two floors. They're going to have this beautiful rock climbing wall that is is going to go up uh, both floors. They're, they're literally like excavating out this whole area, like taking out this whole part of the floor that this wall is going to be. They're going to have a, uh, a a huge basketball court and playing field and an ice rink outside. And um, so, I, you know, I, I know uh, it's not just the, the you know all the stuff you're going to be able to buy inside there, but it's all the things that you're going to be able to do, all the playing fields that are going to be pretty awesome to see. And I, I really believe, I mean, this is uh, the reasons, one of the reasons why the mall is a great site is because right by the, the highway, so many people from outside of the county come in. This is going to be a regional destination. So there's going to be people from all parts of the state, including from other states. They're going to want to come in and see this. And it's going to be a huge economic driver for the county. I mean, you just think about all those people coming off the highway, going in and buying stuff, checking it out, going 
going to the restaurants. You alluded to that. There's going to be some great restaurants that are going to be popping up there. Some that haven't even been announced yet. They're going to be popping up there. Um, it's just a great. It's a great thing for the mall. And the great greatest thing about it is there, there's going to be awesome announcements coming in after that. You know, one right after the other. This is this is probably the uh, the largest project to come into the mall. But there's a lot of big big projects that are that are going to be uh, coming in to be announced that that will be filling up the mall. So you know, gosh, I think uh, I think August has been a great great month for announcements, economic development announcements in the county. But yeah, it was great to see. And certainly we're, we're really thankful for the the stack and the Myers family for, for doing this year. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, Mark Newman, Doug Matthews have, have just been uh, doing a great job in that project. And yeah, again, it's like, just like when we talked about the victory building, it's awesome to drive by there, see all the progress there and the mall, you know, it, the thing about the mall is uh, I went and, uh, you know, our workforce development centers in the back and we had a, this graduation, um, you know, a few days ago for a, a job training class. And I hadn't been to the mall and probably, you know, it hadn't been that long. It had been about three weeks and I drove by there and, you know, drove up the, uh, you know, kind of through the, the Macy's area, which is where the, the Dick's house of sport is going to be. And I couldn't believe that they took all the, the uh, blacktop off, you know, all the pavement off that parking lot. And of course that's where the, one of the major playing fields is going to be. So like it's, it's uh, as you talked about, every time that you drive by that place, there's like a new mound of dirt somewhere. There's something, you know, like a large that they've done in terms of the improvement of that, that property. It seems like every week there's something big that's happening there with the, with the improvements that are made there. So, um, it's a it's a it's a great thing for the community. We're looking forward to it opening, and we're we're when I talked to the developers, they thought that they were going to get that done in a year. So I think they were talking about they were saying that they'd like to have the, the this new Dix House of Sport open before school starts in 2023, which I think is is pretty amazing as well that they were they'd be able to do that that quickly. It's 1039 WNBF, a bit to the west on Watson Boulevard. The historic, what's left of the historic IBM Country Club is still standing. I went by there this morning. They haven't started demolition work, no equipment yet on the site. What is the status? When we spoke a a few weeks ago, you were under the impression that the demolition work uh, could be imminent. It could be. Um, It's one of the things that we're working on with the campus. So you know, there's no doubt about it that if you look and see, um, if you take a look at that campus, and we we talked, I think last month we talked about Imperium. They've got a 22,000 square foot building, brand new. They just started, you know, rolling their their uh, their batteries off the assembly line. That is like phase one of Imperium. You know, they uh, I think their goal is to hire a couple hundred people under that first phase. But what they really need to do is they need to expand. And the only way they're going to be expanding is if we can work with Phoenix, who owns this whole campus, to demolish that whole entire old IBM building group, all the buildings east of McKinley. And so we're, we're working with them to do it. Uh, we, we're, uh, we're probably close to finalizing. Um, I'd say we're within a couple of weeks of finalizing how we're actually going to do it, but the commitment that the county has is to work with Phoenix to demolish those buildings because if those buildings get demolished, 
That means that uh, Imperium can expand their second phase, and what that second phase is something like 30 times the size of the first phase is um, in terms of the type of production. And you're, you're then talking about 500, 700, 1,000 jobs coming in there. So um, these buildings at some point are going to have to come down anyway. My uh, The way I look at it is that um, let's work with the developer and let's uh, – you know, be a team with that developer and get these buildings down. Now, we we've got the potential, imminent you know, imminent potential for expansion happening because the, all these buildings have fallen in on themselves. There, the, there's no way that you can come in and really renovate any of uh, any of this old uh, a building group. You got to you get it, get it out of there, get it into the landfill, recycle as much as you can, um, so you can build brand new buildings there. Is there concern that there are going to be some additional restrictions on on um, digging and, and things at that site? I mean, of course, there there has been the the history of contamination from when IBM operated at that site. Uh, people are aware of the chemical spill and the the plume in that area, especially uh, centered under. Uh, at least one of those buildings east of McKinley Avenue is that going to pose a potential problem? My understanding is that it's not. Um, I, 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 you know, talking to you know some of the representatives at Phoenix, they didn't indicate there was a concern there. Of course, uh, to to build anything new, you, you've got you certainly got to do your environmentals and and get your permits and and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know. We live in the state of New York here. You you can't uh, you can't build anything unless it's 100, percent you know, with with all certainty uh, safe to do, um, given all the regulations that occur in in New York State. But um, I, I didn't get any type of uh, you know sent, you know indication of any type of worry that um, you know that they would have um, of of demolishing these buildings and then putting build you know brand new buildings up on um, in their place. And let's face it, a lot of people are anticipating some big things and perhaps imminent announcements about the future of that site in Endicott. Yeah, I mean, um, there's you know there, there's uh, a lot of synergy happening right now. Of course, uh, you know you've got uh, Stan Whittingham, the, the Nobel Peace Prize winner for you know doing this battery research right at Binghamton University. Um, you know, working with the, the people at Imperium and, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a great project. It's already a great project. It's already great to see what they've been able to do there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say uh, at, at some point pretty soon, I, I think you're, you're going to hear a lot of news about the future of that site and investments that are, are being made in it. And it, it's a great thing for Broome County. It's a great thing for Endicott. We talk about some of these legacy sites that, you know, we've been waiting for years to do something about. Um, I'm sure all the old IBMers that still live there and have memories of everything that happened in that building and all the work that was done and all you know, the great work that was done um, drive by those and, and, and wish, God, you know, gosh, I wish something was, was happening in there. Um, I think pretty soon they're going to be able to see that happen. And that's all good stuff for Broome County and, and Endicott. What about the old IBM Country Club site in the uh, town of Union? Uh, just a little bit 
to the west of Johnson City. Is demolition still expected to get underway there in in the next few weeks? We had a a little delay with with paperwork. Um, You know, we had to get this signed off. I had to sign off on it. Shippo had to sign off on it. And the, uh, the agency had to sign off on it. And it's conceptually, it's all there. The agreement has been drawn up, and we're just having our attorneys take a take a fine look at it, and then we'll sign it. Um, got a meeting set up with the agency in the next few days, uh, and, and they're kind of go over their demolition schedule um, for that site as well. So we're really, uh, really pretty uh, pretty excited to see that happen and and see a, a nice development coming after that as well. 1045. I'm Bob Joseph. Speaking with the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner, will continue our conversation in a moment here on News Radio WNBF. Ten forty-seven WNBF WNBF dot com with Bob Joseph and the Broome County Executive Jason Garner. So the Beach Bash was held at Cole Park. Tell me about Beach Bash. Everybody says that it uh, seemed to go quite well. What was your impression? Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, first of all, we got a great parks department. I mean, Liz Woy and her old staff. Does such a great job of uh, you know not just maintaining the parks but bringing in new events for the parks and so this is just one of the latest uh, new events that that they've uh, they came up with and we were like let's uh, let's do an event that just kind of celebrates the end of summer and uh, they called it Beach Bash and it was really cool like it was uh, they uh, you know of course they had swimming. All day at the beach, they had a couple of great bands play. There was live music playing there. They had food trucks there, um, and then like as uh, they had a magician there for the kids and who, were, who was doing um, certain acts. I think he cut somebody in half. And then um, and then uh, then the really cool thing was they had set up some uh, bonfires on the beach, and uh, to kind of uh, top it all off, they had a big fireworks presentation uh big fireworks show at the uh at night over the lake which was really cool um and i i asked her i said how you know i i I spent some time there and i'm like wow this place is packed it's hard to find a parking spot there and you know how many people do you think came they're estimating that about 7,500 people came so i i think we like uh increased the population of Colesville that day by a factor of like 50 times. Um, but it was, uh, it, it went off without a hitch. I, you know, everybody, uh, we were kind of concerned would, would we run out of food? We never ran out of food. Um, there were some long lines at times, but um, I guess that's kind of to be expected. And, you know, we had a great time and um, we wouldn't have been able to do it without our sponsor visions. Um, they, they, they sponsored the event and that paid for the fireworks and some of the other things that happened. So um, we're really grateful for them for, for providing that. It's a great partnership and looking forward to bringing it back next year. Some people, I was talking to some people and they're like, you should do it at, uh, you know, you should try to uh, do it at some of the other beaches as well. So that 
um, we do have a Greenwood and then Dorchester. Um, so we're, you know, we're thinking about doing that depending on um, if we can get some other sponsors to, to maybe have three of these big beach parties at our, our different parks. But, um, you know, we, I, I talked on this program a lot about our parks and the huge investment we're making in our parks. And um, it's just kind of great to have these events in our parks to kind of showcase what our parks are, are all about. What kind of improvements are envisioned for Coal Park going forward? Oh, boy. So just like every park, um, you know, some of these are uh, improvements that are just like, I mean, uh, that have, uh, they're like uh, the bathrooms and um, the bathing facilities, um, just brand new, everything there, brand new picnic tables, um, you know, grills and and things like that. Um, One of the things that we're looking to do is, provide um to build actually a um either a, a tubing uh destination in the winter um or a toboggan shoot there uh, kind of a big attraction a ride there so to, if if you want to uh, put it like that um and we're kind of like identifying that we will probably put something like that at Cole but um you know uh, just uh a lot of it's uh, general maintenance, but at some of these parks, we're really um, providing some new attractions, like the winter attraction of coal, like the Grippen Park renovation of the building. We talked about the wiffle ball field and the the uh, the uh, the skating, the outdoor skating there as well. So, um, but you know, a lot of these parks haven't seen improvements in their infrastructure, their basic infrastructure in forty or fifty years, and all those types of things are are going to be done and really appreciate the support of our county legislators who, uh, you know, approved the funding and it was really helpful. A lot of this funding came from our uh, ARPA funding, the American Rescue Plan funding. Um, We put a a good amount of money into that to reinvest into our parks because a lot of people use parks during COVID. It was a lot of people rediscovered what they were all about and um, keep coming back. And I think we have some of the most beautiful parks in the state, and um, we just want to keep keep them up and provide even more attractions to them. And the county is embarking on a multi-million dollar improvement project at Grippen Park in West Endicott. Could the uh, project ultimately um, fu- that will eventually emerge for Coal Park also be uh, potentially a multi-million dollar project? I'm not sure how much. How, so the the total, I think the total uh, park park improvement project is probably between thirteen to fourteen million dollars. The Grippen building is probably going to be three three and a half million dollars when it's all said and done. The we were, we we haven't uh, we we haven't um, designed the the winter um, facility yet. But and, and got but we've gotten some cost estimates, and that's probably going to cost around a million dollars to build as well. But I mean, these are things that not just you know Broome County residents, but um, you know things that people from outside the county will will come in and and check out. So um, yeah, I mean Broome, Broome County does not have any type of uh, you know you you have to travel all the way to Greek Peak to to do tubing and um, or even farther if you don't go there. And we kind of wanted a place where, uh, you know, our, our kids could do that kind of stuff right here in our own county. And, um, you know, hopefully by, by winter of next year, we'll be doing that, if not the winter of, of the year after that.
Is the county also uh, widening uh, Martin Hill Road out in the Harpersville area? I don't know if we're doing that. That's a good. That's a good question. I'll have to talk to my highway uh, highway people about that. We might have to do some improvements uh, to to that road if we're going to get a lot more people, you know, coming coming down there. Well, I mean, both with Colesville Park plus Animal Adventure, a lot of people travel out. A lot more people are traveling in that part of Broome County than say five years ago. This is true. But one thing I will say is that. Um, you know, one of the things that we were most concerned about was, of course, traffic for the Beach Bash. We had, I think we had about 2,500 cars. We have a car counter. So we were able to count, uh, count cars as they came into the park. For the Beach Bash, we had about 2,500 cars, and there were no traffic issues at all. It was definitely congested, especially when everybody laughed after the fireworks ended, but um, there were really no traffic issues as as they got out, so I, I think that's a, a you know a testament to the fact that you know our roads can can handle high capacity. Um, but yeah, definitely something that we're going to have to think about as we uh, as as these things become bigger destinations. Of course, Animal Adventure just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger there as well. I think they just repaved that road recently. I think that the road that they're actually on is a is a town road, but. Um, you know they definitely made some in- infrastructure improvements to the road, um, considering all the all the stuff that Animal Adventure is doing. Shifting to the town of Binghamton, anything new on the county's effort to sell the old Vest- Vestal Hills Country Club property? Yeah, we we expect to, to have a resolution in um, in September, uh, selling the property, um, and uh, you know we'll we'll be happy when we do that um and we'll who, who is planning we'll, to buy it uh it's a it's a group of people that um you know brett pritchard uh the developer that has uh worked uh i think you might have talked to him a few times uh he's he's uh probably uh, most well known for the work that they're doing at the the uh number the old number five building and and that project um yeah, so we'll, we've got a resolution in September to, to sell that property. How much will the county sell it for? I think it's three hundred. I think it's about three hundred thousand dollars. So it's less than half what the county paid for it, though, right? The county paid seven hundred fifty thousand. It is. It is, and um, you know, it's and again, it's one of those things where um, you know uh, we we had run to so many cost overruns at the the property that we we felt it was you know. In terms of, uh, we wanted to do it, wanted to build a, our veteran service center there. Um, we decided that it would be much more cost efficient to um, do it at the location we're looking at in Binghamton. Um, so yeah, but uh, you know they they're looking at uh, you know developing that property and a housing development, some, correct? Yeah, doing a housing development, putting some higher end housing in there, and you know, of course, my contention that you know we need all sorts of different types of housing there we in our in our community especially as we grow our community we need affordable housing we need mixed rate housing and we need higher end housing as well and i think they're kind of looking at the the latter type of housing for that area which fits in well with the the rest of the area and and we think that over time um you know given the amount of development that they'll do there that um you know uh you know selling the property for a little less than what we bought for it will certainly be made up over the next few years and the the, you know the the increased assessment of the property because of the development that they'll be doing there. So it's good stuff. 
Any more problems with people stashing stolen guns and other property at the site? No, I, I just uh, I just saw. I think the uh, the the guy that uh, did that. Uh, I think he just pled guilty. Well, one of the people gonna... involved. That was a complicated case. Yeah. Three people were charged, and one of the people uh, apparently will will be going to prison, according to uh, the DA's office. Broome County Executive Jason Garner, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate uh, coverage of uh, several topics. Appreciate it, Bob. Thank you, and have a great day. You too. 1058 Live and Local, I'm Bob Joseph. The guy with a few questions here on WNBF and WNBF.com. Enjoy this. For his situation at Stanley Law, we know when we work together, you win. 215 Burnett Avenue in Syracuse, Watertown, Rochester, Binghamton, Oneonta, and Montrose, PA. I'm Bob Joseph. Thursday morning live on WNBF, Binghamton, 1290 AM, 92.1. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Well, aside from a little bit of wind, it's a picture-perfect day today. Sunshine, a little breezy, high in the mid-70s. Winds gusting as high as 21 miles per hour. A new airline will be operating budget-friendly direct flights to Florida from Binghamton soon. Broome County Executive Jason Garner announced that Avello Airlines will begin serving Binghamton this fall with nonstop service to Orlando International and Fort Myers Southwest Florida International Airports. The new flights will operate on Wednesdays and Saturdays starting November 16th. Avello Airlines has base operations in Los Angeles, Southern Connecticut, and Orlando. The Binghamton operation will be its first in New York State. Several years ago, the Greater Binghamton Airport saw its airlines exit one by one, leaving only a single flight to Detroit by Delta Airlines and serviced by smaller private and business carriers at the field. Airports in bigger hubs like Syracuse and even smaller municipal fields like Elmira Corning have continued to offer several flights from several carriers. In June, though, it was learned that American Airlines would pull service to the Ithaca Tompkins International Airport. On September 7th, a regional pilot shortage was cited. Mechanics, not Mother Nature, being blamed for dumping some parts of downtown Binghamton into the dark overnight Tuesday into Wednesday. Electric service to one downtown Binghamton building, one of its few tall buildings, the Shenango Place Apartments at 100 Shenango Street, was knocked down following a reported transformer explosion shortly before 12.30 a.m. yesterday. People who live in this 15-story apartment building near the downtown transportation bus hub reported hearing a loud boom before the power went out. An on-site generator provided limited electric service to the 144-unit structure and its elevators. New York State Electric and Gas spokesman Kelly Packard says the outage was caused by a faulted elbow in an underground transformer. The latest underground electrical equipment problem happened less than three weeks after an explosion at a nearby transformer vault under the sidewalk in front of the Verizon building on Shenango Street. Packard said there was no relation between those two incidents. A judge has rejected a plea agreement that would have meant no prison time for the operator of a limousine company involved in a crash that killed 20 people in Schoharie County, New York. Wednesday's turnabout drew applause and tears from victims' relatives and plunged the limo company boss, Nauman Hussein, into legal uncertainty. Judge Peter Lynch called the plea agreement fundamentally flawed. Prosecutors and lawyers for Hussein had reached a deal a year ago that would have spared him prison time 
uh, angered the families of the people killed in 2018 when brake failure sent a stretch limo full of birthday revelers careening down a hill and into a business. Hussein's lawyers withdrew the guilty plea after the judge offered the choice of a sentence of one and a third to four years in prison or withdrawing the plea. Hussein, who operated Prestige Limousine, had been charged with 20 counts each of criminally negligent homicide and second-degree manslaughter in what was the deadliest U.S. transportation disaster in a decade. Judge Lynch noted that a State Department of Transportation out-of-service sticker had been placed in the limousine a month before the crash. State police recovered the sticker from Hussein's personal car after his arrest. Prosecutors have argued that Hussein took the sticker off the limousine's windshield so he could use it for more jobs. An annual benefit concert in Binghamton will feature a couple big names in classic rock. Officials with Security Mutual Life Foundation have announced the Sock Out Cancer Concert in October will feature former lead vocalist for Boston and Journey. Fran Cosmo is the lead vocalist in the 1994 Boston album Walk On and was on tour with Boston through 2004. Steve Algeri was the lead singer for Journey from 1998 to 2006, appearing on four albums. In addition to being frontman for Journey for close to a decade, Algeri also spent some time in the Southern Tier teaching music at the French Woods Festival for the Performing Arts Summer Camp located just outside of Hancock. Sock Out Cancer aids financially distressed families so they can put their efforts into fighting cancer. The Security Mutual Life Foundation Sock Out Cancer Classic Rock Voices concert is set for Friday, October 21st at the Broome County Forum Theater, benefiting families of cancer patients of Upstate Foundation, Golisano Children's Hospital, Lourdes Hospital, and UH. Hospital. Visit Sock Out Cancer's website for more information about the October concert. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast sunshine for today, a little windy, wind gusts up to 21 miles per hour, and temperatures in the 70s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. I'm Joseph on a Thursday morning. News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. 607-772-1290 is our number. The email address is bob at WNBF.com. Feel free to interact with this program if you wish. Otherwise, um, go about your business. <laughs> Wow, September 1st. Wow. Four months away from 2023, and you know what that means. The uh, start of a new year. We have to look forward to another, I suppose, another year with the uh, wackiness of uh, Ryan Seacrest and Anderson Cooper, uh, the people that uh, are now synonymous with New Year's Eve, you know, we long for the day. We long for the day when Guy Lombardo is synonymous with New Year's Eve. Now, um, yeah, Ryan Cooper and Anderson, oh, whatever. Ryan Seacrest, Anderson Cooper, and then a few other people, of course, show up on your device as you attempt to ring out the old year and ring in another fabulous year. Let's see what else is going on here. 
Oh, just checking the paper here. Chris Potter with the Binghamton Press and Sun Bulletin with the lead story about the announcement of Velo Airlines on the front page. So, an AP story, an AP story, and a U.S. Today story. So, what is going on in here? Any other Binghamton stories that I may have overlooked? Nope. <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it's fun. It is fun. Uh, what else? Uh, let me take a look at my favorite website, WNBF.com. Of course, as you may have heard, a court has ruled that jail visits at the facility in the town of Dickinson. Jail visits must resume. So that is something, although I understand, I'm led to believe that uh, indeed... Sheriff Harder is appealing that. So the visits may or may not resume um, shortly, in a few days. We'll see what happens. The prohibition, the prohibition for jail visitations has been in place now for quite a while because of the COVID concerns. So a news release from Justice and Unity for the Southern Tier. That's just. The logo says just, and it says fighting mass incarceration. And the news release, which was issued Wednesday... States Broome County and Sheriff Harder have now appealed the ruling of the state Supreme Court Judge Oliver Blaze that Broome County must return to in-person visitation at the county jail. Uh, the judge's ruling affirmed that county residents uh, have basic constitutional and human rights to visit their loved ones in the jail. Sheriff Harder's and the county's appeal according to this news release from Just is an affront to the community and basic human decency. Just and families of those held in the jail will contest the county's actions, and we look forward to a rapid confirmation of the original ruling. Meanwhile, many will suffer unnecessarily alone in isolation and at great personal and financial cost. The news release also states it's well past time to reopen the jail as COVID has eased in-person visitation with social distancing as long ago returned to all state prisons. County jails upstate and downstate have done the same. County nursing homes now permit visitors. People now attend Broome County courts without restriction. Judges, security officers, defendants, lawyers, and attending family and friends all now attend and sit together without even masks required. The news release says, and I'm quoting here, it is quite bluntly shameful of county officials and legislators to provide the legal resources and funding to support Sheriff Harder's last stand. Um, It says a few other things and closes with, we look forward to a definitive defeat of Harder and his allies. So, again, still up in the air as far as um, when and if 
family visitation will resume at the Broome County Jail. So we'll keep you posted on that. Um, perhaps we'll get somebody from Just, the group called Justice and Unity for the Southern Tier. Maybe we'll have a representative on the program if they would like to discuss. Of course, we also would welcome Sheriff Harder if you wanted to discuss it, too. The program. This is a program that's open to all. All 8 billion people on the planet. With very few exceptions. 607-772-1290. Vic from the Forks. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Of course, I know you're good. and You're going to say, I'm fine, Vic. How are you? And I'm fine, too, Bob. Everything is lovely in Bob world. Everything, like the song says, everything is beautiful. But in its own way, in its own way, that's true. In its own way, you can even find beauty in ugliness. I was thinking that. It's funny that you mentioned yesterday afternoon. I was thinking just that same thing as I was walking downtown. So thank you. You and I, I think, are operating sometimes on the same frequency. I'm glad you put that sometimes in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, not not always, never always, but but probably more often than you might imagine. I heard my good friend Matt Ryan talking about the Second Amendment today, and, and I, I gave it some thought. And I went back and I looked at a video of uh, uh, President Biden. and the, the Second Amendment wasn't written for deer hunters or target shooters or anything like that. The Second Amendment was written by men who just freed themselves from British rule. And um, uh, it was over taxation. It was over uh, oppression. Uh, Same thing we're seeing today, taxation and oppression. And what makes this Second Amendment so important for Americans to understand is when you have a president of the United States give a speech where he says, and for all you gun holders... If you're going to come after the government, you're going to need F-150s, let me tell you. And that's what Biden said in his speech. Well, he probably will, but they're pretty expensive, too. That's the problem. An F-150 is a lot more expensive than uh, an XM-17, or I don't know my guns, X-Ray 15. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, good thing if if people are going to go up against the government with F one fifties, they're going to need a lot more money. Well, exactly. But the the thing is, they want to disarm America, and then they make a threat like that: that if you're going to come against the government, you're going to need F one fifties. Let's not forget that every government that ever disarmed its citizens killed millions right afterwards. I will say this, Victor. I'll say this, Victor. There is no chance in Hackensack that the American public will be disarmed. There's no chance at all under any circumstances. I don't care what kind of um, warnings that are issued on social media or cable channels or other talk shows. America cannot and will not be disarmed. 
It will not. You know, it cannot. There are too many guns. There, How many guns? I've lost track of how many guns there are in the possession of civilians in the country. America can't be disarmed. If if it was going to have happened, it would have happened decades ago. Now, it can't happen. Over 300 million guns, from from what I read, are in American hands right now. A non-soldier, non-police officer. Uh, The private sector had over 300 million guns, which is a good thing, Bob. But you're saying they will never be disarmed, and I agree with you on that. But what what the government is doing now is they're regulating bullets. You you have to go through a uh, security test to buy bullets now. Uh, They're they're stamping them. They're making it impossible to get them. Go go try to buy a box of uh, uh, 5.7 millimeter bullets or 223s. You can't find them because they're scarce in the market, uh, and that's because what I think the IRS bought eight eight million rounds or something like that. So you know they can't keep up with production. Whatever the government's doing, they're making sure that we might have those guns, but they're not going to be more. Use use for anything for uh, wall mounts. Well, then somebody, then somebody is going to fi- Victor. Somebody, some way, is going to figure out how to manufacture ghost bullets. I mean, there there is an opportunity there for somebody in America to to figure out a way to manufacture the ammunition that America's gun owners need. And trust me, where there's a market, there's a way. If money is to be made, that's how this system works. People need something, and clearly the people who own America's guns need ammunition. Otherwise, what's the point? So somebody somewhere is working even as we speak on how to deal with the ammunition shortage. Oh, Bob, that's called reloading. You can reload your old shells. Uh, But usually when you reload your own old shells, they're only good for the gun that fired those shells. But here's the other problem with that theory, Bob, is they're making it impossible to buy gunpowder now. You have to go through a back check, back, excuse me, background check to buy gunpowder. Say that fast four times. But uh, my point, Bob, is the government is finding a way around the Second Amendment, make the Second Amendment not useful to make it, you know, just words on a piece of paper. They're they're making it so hard for Americans to be armed that eventually, you know, the guns are going to be worthless. Why are they doing that, Bob? Why are they regulating it so? Maybe much? maybe they want fewer people to be killed. I don't know. You're at, don't ask me. I don't tell them what to do. I, I'm just a kid with a microphone and a telephone. That's all. How how the heck would I know? Well, you know, ammunition is going to be used as money in the near future. Mark my words. Uh, people are already trading. I just sold a box of 45 shells, 100 shells in a box, because I got rid of my 45. And, and I forgot to give the guy the shells. So I sold them for $200 for 100 shells. You can buy them for $50 in the store when they have them. They used to be 20 but the stores don't care to have them anymore. So now they sell them. You know, you put, I put an ad in the Craigslist, uh, and they went the same day. It's like anything else Anything else in society. Mickey Mantle, collector's cards, or bubblegum trading cards, or rare coins. You know, if, if people want them, 
and they have money, they can get them. So eventually, maybe only rich people will be able to afford ammunition, just like gas. Bingo. Bingo. Yes. So rich people, Bingo. it's all, Vic, have you noticed in this country, I'll tell you, since, since I was born, since I was able to actually observe what goes on in this country, the one thing I, I noticed, the rich people always manage to get it all. There's better justice for rich people, better housing, better food, and better ammunition. And that's the one consistent in this country. If you have a lot of money, you're going to have it all. If you don't have much money, you're sadly out of luck. But that's the American way. That's true, Bob. But but it's not just that uh, that would be racist for only rich people to buy guns because, uh, you know, the demographics are the poorer people are people of color and, and of different ethnic backgrounds than the rich white man, right? Isn't that what the Democrats are saying now? So by making the, uh, the ammo and all that stuff hard to get, except for rich people, isn't that being racist? Well, maybe they'll I develop a program to provide ammo stab, stamps for people who don't have the same financial resources to afford their own ammunition. Maybe, maybe the government for, for certain people with certain financial qualifications and other, other things that would be considered, maybe they could get ammo stamps and they could get a monthly allotment to, to help offset no. the high cost of ammunition. That wouldn't fit their narrative. They they would rather give you double food stamps than give you one box of ammo. Well, uh, don't, they, they don't want you to have a gun because they don't want resistance. Uh, and that's why they're Democrat, to Democrats. Democrats. There are a lot of Democrats who love their guns too. Don't don't kid yourself. Even in New York State, there are Democrats. Trust me. Trust me. I walked past, or no, I didn't walk past a guy that you know, a guy that most listeners would know. Walked past me uh, when I was heading home yesterday in Binghamton, and I happen to know he's a Democrat and he loves his guns. So don't 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 make it sound like it's strictly Republican versus Democrats. There there are a lot of Democrats in Broome County, and of course a lot more in places like Tioga and Shenango, Delaware, Susquehanna counties, who really love their guns. But it's not a partisan issue. Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertarians, they love their guns. A lot of people. You'd be surprised, Vic. Truth be told, how many people. In the southern tier of New York and the northern tier of Pennsylvania, love their guns. Bob, I agree with you on that point. There are Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Tea Party, whoever. They all love their guns. The Democrats that don't like guns are the ones in power. And the only time they like guns is when it's to protect themselves. Uh, You know, I'm talking government against the people, not the people. In general, uh, you're right. It's a nonpartisan issue. Uh, but let me tell you, Bob, when when the government comes after your guns, it's no good. It's just no good. And I don't care what kind of gun it is. I think every the Second Amendment was written at a time when there was black powder or, or ball and, uh, you know, um, uh, antique antiquated weapons. They were antiquated, but it was written that the time it was written, it also says in the Second Amendment that people shall have the right to bear the same arms as the militia. 
That way, the militia, if they rise up against the people, the people can fight back. That's what the Second Amendment's about. It's so that we are never oppressed again by the government like we were before the war, uh, uh, the revolution. And that's what the Second Amendment is about. It's not about deer hunting. It's not about target shooting or Olympic sports or whether a Democrat or a Republican likes to go out and uh, shoot their gun in the woods. It's about keeping America free and keeping American rights protected. And, you know, the, the bad part about that, Bob, uh, there is no bad part about what I just said, but the bad part about having guns, and I, I, I am a Republican and I admit this, is that there are sick people who will use those guns to destroy uh, lives and families uh, in, in the wake of a shooting. And those are few sick people. They're- yeah, and apparently there's nothing to do to keep guns out of the hands of sick people. Nothing. Nothing that seems to work. Will they ever find a way to keep guns out of the hands of sick people? I doubt it. How are they going to do it? If they could do it, they would have done it by now. Rich from Brackney. Good morning. What's up? Oh, I'm just calling about... I'm glad your show's back on from 9 to 12 every day. That was really great when I heard it back on. It is. It was one of the biggest media stories in the U.S. this year. Well, as far as I'm concerned, for all of everything, local news, you're the best one for it. What I was calling about was everybody's got to ask themselves a simple question. Was things a lot better under Trump or are things better underneath Biden right now? And that's what I think is really happening in this country. All right. And what's your opinion? Are things better now with Joe Biden or were they better with Donald Trump? Well, all my buying power now since Biden's been in went down. Everything you buy now is a lot more expensive than everything before when Trump was in there because of inflation. You can't keep taking and borrowing money from the government and spending that if you don't have the money. Nobody can live like that. If you don't have the money coming in, you can't spend it. That's the bottom line is you can only spend what you have. You know, we're up to $31 trillion debt now. And if it keeps going like that, pretty soon we'll be up to 40 or $50 trillion. Right. Then- Did you see what the uh, debt trend was during Mr. Trump's administration, by the way, over the four years that he was Mr. In Charge? Well, I think when Obama left, it was almost close to $20 trillion. And then when Trump took over, I think he ran it up a couple trillion dollars. That's what I thought it was. I thought it went up a lot more than that. I don't have the exact figures, but I I believe that uh, Donald Trump, for all of um, his great characteristics, I don't believe Donald Trump managed to control federal spending. So, you know, he, he talks a good game. He has uh, certainly millions of supporters but could donald trump get uh out of control federal spending um could he take take care of it no so if donald trump couldn't do it who can well i work for the gas and oil companies 10 years now i've been doing it i'm already 64 it's time to retire but uh the way the economy is every time you turn around something goes up in price so you know you can't retire unless you're gonna have enough money you're not i know that's why i'm still here trust me that's right. If the, the only reason I'm still here is because of Joe Biden. If prices were under control, I would have been out of here so fast it would have made your head spin. But now well, I got, I, I'll got i have to keep working here for another 30 years the way prices are out of control. 
Yeah, I know. The guys around here tell me they're going to have to get a wheelchair and move me around around here. <laughs> anyway, let's hope things stabilize. I, I do appreciate your call. How are things in Brackney, by the way? All doing good. Everything's yep. doing good. Everything's Very good. good. All right. Well, I'll pop one of these days. I'll pop down and say hi to uh, some folks in Brackney. Hope hope you're around yeah, when I'd I like to see you. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll pop down there maybe in the next couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, come out there and visit all the drilling sites, and then you can look around and see what really goes on here. I I always enjoy my my time in Brackney. I haven't been haven't been in Brackney in a while, so I'll put it on my list of places to visit. Okay, Bob. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you again. Thank you, Rich. It's eleven thirty. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton. You want English teachers, take note. WNBF taking the calls at 607-772-1290. Garl from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. What's up? Hey, uh, this is for Matt Ryan, my old nemesis. Uh, I find it very interesting when Matt was... uh, He's been talking about gun control and... and, uh, against uh, citizens uh, having the right to arm themselves or defend themselves. Uh, and uh, But yet, he was, <laughs> he was defending, um, I think it was an Arab fella that was uh, caught with all those weapons, and they found a uh, uh, storage uh, unit that uh, he had been stashing ammunition and weapons in. Right. Well, he's an attorney. He's entitled to defense people. Everybody who gets arrested in Broome County under the law is entitled to uh, representation in their case. So anyway, if he represents people who've been charged with uh, possessing weapons, you know, that's that's what attorneys do. Attorneys, and you know this, I mean, attorneys represent um, all sorts of people, including some with whom they they probably disagree. But everybody is entitled to representation, and I commend local attorneys for willing to take on uh, clients who might be unpopular. Oh, well, you know, you seem to, uh, well, Bob, I'm not going to get into it because you and I are on the opposite sides of the fence sometimes, and most of the time we are, but... I don't. Uh, I don't agree with it. Uh, well, and that's why you don't have to represent somebody accused of weapon possession. Nor do I. Uh, you know, the the sad secret is at one point, decades ago, I was making a career decision, and one option was to become an attorney, possibly even a defense attorney. And I believe I could have been a, a fairly decent 
probably successful defense attorney. But for a number of reasons, I opted not to go in that direction. And, you know, but I also respect uh, attorneys, defense attorneys, who are willing to provide adequate or very good representation to clients who face serious charges. They're entitled to that under our system. Yeah, well, I think it's a contradiction, but whatever. I just think uh, when man does something, he does it from both sides of his mouth sometimes. But that's uh, that's man. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, hey. You know, we're, we are who we are, and thankfully we are. I mean, I, I respect his opinions. I respect your opinions. All right. Um, have a good uh, weekend coming okay, up. Okay, you better watch out. One of these days I'm going to pop over and say hi to you. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> I will. I mean, trust right. me, it's probably not going to be today because today I've got a lot to do this afternoon, but, but maybe tomorrow or in a few days I'll just pop in and say hello. Maybe I'll bring coffee. All right, that'd be great. <laughs> Thanks. Have a good just, day. Just black, just black. That's okay. the that's the way. That's the way I like it too. So that that makes it okay. easy, easy to remember. That's Thank right. you. <laughs> Take All care. Right. Bye bye. It's eleven thirty six WNBF with Bob Joseph taking the calls. Carmen from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning. I am so excited to be on your program. Well, I am so pleased that you made it through. Thanks for hanging in there. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm, I just want to spread the news that um, our church, which is known as the Lighthouse on the Corner, it's Boulevard United Methodist Church, and we're having a, a great event uh, this Saturday. It's Labor Day weekend. It's going to be 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and we're going to have food. We're going to have hot dogs and sausage. We're going to have ice cream. It's, it's an annual event. It's called the Annabelle uh, Memorial Ice Cream Social. But besides that, we have a brand new pastor, and she is amazing. And she had a great idea to bless students as they return to school and their backpacks. So we're going to have a blessing of the backpacks, and we do have some black backpacks to give away if there are still uh, students that uh, are in need. We do have some backpacks. We have some pencils. And we have books, lots of books to give away. We're going to have face painting. We've got a delightful clown that's going to make balloon animals. And we've got games. And we've got prizes. And we've got live music. So we just want to reach out to the, the community and just uh, show them our love for them and and to bless them, especially as they return to school. So I just I'm so thankful that I'm able to get this news out because I know so many people listen to your program. Who is the new pastor? Her name is uh, Christiane Depestre. She's actually originally from Haiti, and she is so warm and outgoing, and uh, she's just great. I just I hope we get lots of um, uh, people that come in, and and you know we're into diversity too. You know we want um, 
a mixed bunch of people, young and old and uh, different ethnicities and backgrounds. And I think she's going to bring a lot of life to our congregation. We've already last week, we actually had a blessing of the animals. So we were outside blessing some animals that came by. And um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. How long has she been pastor? Two months? She's been with us. We lost our pastor in June. He retired. And so, yeah, she's been there probably since uh, July. Yeah, so just yeah, a couple usually, months. Usually the appointments take effect July 1st. Well, that's exciting. So that's at Boulevard United Methodist Church. Yes, it's 113 Grand, uh, Grand Boulevard, and it's on the corner. Right on the corner, Lighthouse on the Corner. That's what we're known for, and I hope we're really shining out. <laughs> That's a beautiful church. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I, I actually was confirmed there way, way back, and I went and the, I went the Episcopal roots and Anglican, and now I'm back to Methodism again. It's a beautiful thing. Carmen, thanks for calling in. Tell the people at the church that Bob Joseph said hello. Thank you. I will do that. And you have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. And thank you so much for allowing me to to speak on your program. You're welcome. 1141 WNBF, Bob Joseph, serving my community. Yes, I call it my community. I was born here. I was born about a mile and a half from that church over at a medical facility on Riverside Drive. Of course, I can't mention the name because of HIPAA. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, what's going on at Boscoff? The front of the building is boarded up. Yeah, some woman smashed her car into the front. She thought that they had a drive through and it turns out the drive through oh, no. was not open, so she smashed her car oh, into no. the uh, the front at about 5 in the morning. They weren't even open. I mean, uh, apparently, oh, really? apparently uh, maybe there was a mix-up. I don't even know the circumstances. I was just told by some guy that a woman had been driving. I don't think she was seriously hurt because the guy said that she was out after her car smashed into the main entrance. But I'll tell you, you know, that's not the first time that somebody has smashed out uh, a big window over at the main entrance at, at Boscov's. I hope they have good insurance. Yeah, uh, and I noticed that the, that the cars are being, they're parking differently. Yeah, they uh, they have to park with that diagonal parking because they needed more uh, parking while the old Water Street garage was being torn down and while we uh, await construction for the new garage. And the mayor said he was possibly going to have some more information about that project later this week, so I guess that could happen today or tomorrow. So we will have a better idea of when the construction will start for the Boscow's garage. Oh, yeah, well, I just wondered. We come through town, and I, I go, why well, aren't Boscow's? Uh, you know, and I I said they're parking differently. Yep, <laughs> and I that's it. about that. I that's said, it. Well, what is he doing now? Getting us mixed up? 
It's... And my husband says, probably. <laughs> well, you know the place to call is right here. When you have questions, I have answers. I tried to call earlier, Bob, but but you were talking about about weapons and stuff, and I got I got a I got a little upset, you know, because uh, my 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 grandson killed himself with a bow and arrow, you know, and I started to cry. You know, so I took a little break and thought I'd call you back. All right. Well, I'm sorry. Sorry some of the, uh, the topics sometimes do evoke some emotions, so I'm sorry about that. I hope you have a good afternoon. It's in November. All right. Well, I, I wish you the best, okay? Okay. Thank you, pal. Thanks. 1144 WNBF, Bill from Binghamton. Good morning. Our number is 607-772-1290. Yes, I claim to have a few questions. I also maintain I have a few answers. So if you have questions of your own, uh, feel free to call. I don't know at all. I know sometimes people say, Bob, you sound like a big know-it-all. Well, I know, sometimes it comes across that way. But if I don't know something, I'm not afraid to admit it. And when I don't know something, I usually work to find out the information. So if you've got questions, feel free, 607-772-1290. Or if you want, send an email, bob at wnbf.com. Eleven forty-seven WNBF, the real radio station with real people who talk to real callers. Morning WNBF. Good morning, caller. Well, first of all, you've got a bad connection. You must be in a, a really bad cell. So get close to a window or something so I can start to understand what you're saying. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. So who is this? What's your first name and where are you calling from? You got to pay for our own parking, our own food. Why is that? Wait, I still didn't catch your first name and where are you calling from? Uh, I call from Conklin. All right. So what's what's the question? The question is that we, we call for jewelry duty. We have to pay for our own parking and you pay for your own food. Why is that? Well, that's the way it is. I don't like it either. I, I've i often wondered that, too. I think if you serve jury duty, they ought to pay all your expenses. They ought to pay um, parking while you're serving on a jury or waiting to find out if you're selected. I think they they owe you at least that much for, uh, you know, you're willing to serve on a jury, so they should cover your parking costs. And they should also give you, I, I would say, at least $20 so you could go get lunch. Am I right? I wonder why. You're true, but I wonder why that happened. Well, because I'm not the commissioner of jurors. The commissioner of jurors uh, has a different procedure and, you know, probably no budget. It's probably if the commissioner, if the jury commissioner had had money, 
you probably would get money for parking and for lunch, but there's probably nothing in the budget. Okay, thank you. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you, man. I'm with you because I'm for the people. And the way I look at it, if you take time out of your busy life, whether you have to take time off from work or maybe you're retired, but you still make it a point to show up for jury duty, whether it's in Binghamton or anywhere else, the least they could do is pay for your parking and give you $20 for lunch. That's my position. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. Yeah, what's up? Is, what is this, Pete from Johnson City? You got it. See, I'm good that way. So what's on your mind, Pete? So uh, what was going on with that Methodist church on Saturday? They said they're going to have some... They're having some event. sort of a big shebang. I, I don't... I, I didn't take notes. I uh, Sadly, I, I, I was... Um, looking at at a shiny object so i wasn't taking notes i can give you the number for the church though uh listen carefully here's the number for the boulevard united methodist church the number is seven nine seven five six seven five yeah because i didn't hear what time it was yeah i i i have to confess i wasn't wasn't taking notes and you know so that that certainly sounds sounds bad to listeners saying, "Well, she was just on the on the air yep. about uh, eleven minutes ago." But no, I wasn't taking specific notes about the about the event. So uh, yeah, you I'm, could, I'm within walking. I'm within walking distance. All right, yeah, pop <laughs> over, pop over. It's, uh, it should be it should be a nice event. But again, I I just didn't uh, copy down the specifics. Hope you have a good time. Should be a good Rumble's Pony game tonight. It's going to be wild, man. It's going to be wild. 11.50. This is Bob Joseph at WNBF. It's Wild Radio 1290. (laughs) AM and Mild Radio 92.1 FM. And always available online at WNBF.com. WNBM. Red Hotlines, courtesy of the phone company. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? My name is Warren Bush. I'm from Sydney, New York. All right, well. An an avid listener of you every day. 
Thank you. First time, first time calling though. All right. Well, you're on the air. Uh, what's on your What's on your mind? I have a two part question for you. Number one, do you classify yourself as a liberal Democrat, or do you classify you in the middle? I think of myself. I think of myself as in the middle, and I'm not affiliated. Never have been affiliated with any political party. I don't intend to ever be affiliated with any party, um, um, one of the major parties or even a minor party. That's my intention. Now, I'll hasten to add, if if I ever get out of the journalism and broadcasting business, I, I always leave open the possibility that somebody will say, Bob, you're a man of the people. Why don't you run for something? And then most likely I'd say, I think not, but say if I they catch me at a weak moment, I might say, okay, I'll run for that. And then I probably would have to affiliate with a party, but that would be the only the only circumstance. And I, I think that would be the odds of that ever happening are slim and none. Well, I'm an avid hunter, uh, born and raised uh, with, you know, guns my whole life. And... When are people going to understand that it is not the gun, it is the person behind the gun? You can load any gun, put it on a table, take the safe off, come back 25 years. That gun's not going to fire. It's the person behind the gun. And the only one, when they when they start doing all these gun controls and, uh, you know, laws, to it, it's taking away from the guy that does it legal. Every one of my guns and pistols are registered with Delaware County. I do it the right way. But you and I know you can go to Binghamton on any corner and you could buy anything you wanted illegal if you really wanted to. It's not Well, that's true. I could go outside uh, here at the station, right in the heart of downtown Binghamton, and probably within a matter of minutes maybe not quite minutes, but within a relatively short time, if I want an illegal gun or probably any illegal drug, I could probably acquire it if I had the cash and put out the word. So so that brings me to the point that I'm saying is, is that the government, by trying to, the gun control, the the, the illegals and the, the ones that get the guns illegal, the criminals, they're always going to have guns. They they have from the beginning of time. The only gun control you're doing is against the honest person that does it the right way. Well, and that's why uh, the problem with gun violence in this country is never going to be resolved. It's never going to be resolved. We have to accept that. It's sad but true, in my opinion. I mean, that's just my I, opinion. I, I, I have to agree with you yeah. on that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I appreciate your call. Sorry we don't have more time. We're at the end of today's program, but thank I you for calling in. More often, I appreciate, I appreciate that. You. Thank you. I hope you have a great afternoon. Yep. God bless. Thank you. 1157. Bob Joseph. Yes, I know. Some people say you're talking too much sense. Stop making sense, Bob. You wash your hands. Bob Joseph, 
clearly mission accomplished. Thank you to everyone who listened and everyone who called. We do it all again tomorrow morning. Stay tuned to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.